Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I think it's really important that we settle once and for all that it's not only God's will, but it's His desire for us to be free, for us to be unstuck. Uh, Again, there's this amazing thing that happens is we will have an experience of God's goodness and grace and deliverance, and it will be rolling right up to a point where we start to suffer loss and pushback, and all of a sudden we go, we build what I call practical theology. I guess he's good up to this point. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Two of us? So you feel like he's good up to this point. Do you know where your point is? Do you know what I mean? I can tell you for me, it's the point where I've suffered loss. I experience his goodness. The crazy thing is, sometimes I've experienced God's goodness all the way up to here, but then I suffer loss here, and now this is my new norm. And It's crazy. We have seen, we've seen people raised from the dead. I will pray for someone with sniffles and they don't get healed. And I go, oh, well, God doesn't heal anymore. Or I, oh, that's even worse. That's, that, that's, that's calling it like it is, right? Seriously, it's amazing how we allow our personal lack of breakthrough to become our new norm. So I have a question for you. Are you done? Are you tired of that? Are you willing for more? I'll say it again. Do you want a new normal? Do you want breakthrough? Do you want to become unstuck? Because unfortunately, it will require you and me to go to the places we fear the most. And the places where we suffer loss are usually the places where uh, we say, you know what, it's just not worth it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A couple weeks ago, we uh, brought a message about how not to get stuck in the wilderness. And I, uh, I got done and I felt like God said, Peter, that was, uh, that was great, but that was you was just giving people the chapter titles. We need to go a little deeper. So over the next four weeks or so, we're going to be doing a uh, going through this journey. Because see, the journey... Many times when we're in pain, I talked about this, when you're in pain, you want out of Egypt, you want out of bondage, you want out of where you're stuck, right? I mean, that's that's the human condition. Eh, it hurts, make it stop, right? And But what I've discovered in my own life is that it's not just one, it's not just my whole life. It's also in individual areas. Some areas I'm walking in total freedom. In other areas, I'm still in bondage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And um, and sometimes you don't even know you're in bondage till somebody with freedom walks by. You're like, like some of you just, you saw Masha's faith for healing. You're like, is that, what? That's an option? What? Right? So the thing is, is I want to submit that what we're going to be talking about is not just your whole life, but it's in every individual area of our lives. There are areas where we're still in Egypt and other places where we're already in the promise. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. And so this is going to be on a lot of different levels, but I've noticed something that there is this process of coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, 
coming into Canaan, but even Canaan is not the goal. Canaan even is the goal. There is a greater promise. And so we're going to be going through that today. Is that all right? So we're going to just try to get out of Egypt today. Let's just not stay in Egypt today, okay? All right. So if you got Bibles, go ahead and open up to Exodus chapter 1. Um, so, all right. Exodus chapter 1. So you guys remember, uh, the, to, to give some background, Abraham followed God into the land of Canaan. And, and God was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Here's the land I've given you. And then after a few generations, there was a big famine. God raised up Joseph in Egypt and the whole world was blessed through Joseph's obedience. And Joseph's obedience, um, so, and, but as a result, all of his family came to live in Egypt. And this was around 1870 BC. Uh, probably under a pharaoh by the name of Serta, uh, I can't never say their pharaoh's name, a guy, Serta the second, S, we'll call him S2. Anyway, so he's under this, and the crazy thing is, Egypt had been in decline for about 300 years. There was actually a much worse famine, about a 60-year famine that swept across the entire world in about 2200 BC, and all of Egypt, you know, the uh, was in decline. It was out. It was no, the, you remember the great, the pyramids of Egypt? That whole culture was gone. And then there, then literally Joseph helped to put Egypt back on the map to bring, uh, to bring order, restore order. Listen, as believers, we should be bringing a blessing into the world. The world should be excited that we're there. The world should recognize the grace we carry. He had a grace to step into the politics and step into administration. And the entire world was blessed. It had been chaos for almost 300 years. But here Joseph comes in and the whole nation of Israel, and it actually established this amazing rise. Um, but at the same time, a, a lot of uh, other people saw what Joseph and his family did, and they came into Egypt. And around, uh, what about, around 1660, all of those people decided, hey, enough's enough, we're taking over. Anybody here want to take over government? For Jesus and me. Because I know how to do everything. I have all the answers, right? Praise God, nobody's voting for me for president. Anyway, and so they literally took over as a group, and they, are called, they called them the Hyksos. This is for you. Some of you people are like, uh, I'm good, we're good. But I know my history and map people. I know who you are. Thank you. Um, and so in six. 60, the BC, uh, remember the times go backwards, BC, um, anyway, comes, and, and so now, Joseph's buddies are all in power, like, this is like the, uh, the, the Semitic people party, like, they are ruling Egypt, and it's all about us, and they brought in a lot of really good benefits, but then, in about 1520 BC, or actually, well, somewhere around 1532 BC, they were finally, the Kixos are kicked out. I can't spell Hyksos. The Hyksos are kicked out all. And this is what the meaning of this. So during this whole period, they're in Egypt for like 350 years. Now, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful, right? Isn't this awesome? They multiplied greatly and they increased in numbers and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. And all the Egyptians called themselves blessed. Apparently not. Apparently not, because verse 8, 
Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power. That's right here. 1532, I forget the guy's name. Oh gosh, it'll come to me. Um, what was his name? I forget. Anyway, uh, there arose and he kicked the, Ix, the Hyksos out. And now he was like, y'all are out of power. It's my turn. And guess what he says? Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country and take all the wealth with them. Wow. Oh my goodness. Now, do you guys remember something? Um, you guys remember actually, um, Abraham, God told Abraham they would go into Israel, into Egypt. You guys remember that? Um, back in, uh, Genesis 22. Sorry, I'm jumping around on you, Maggie. You're amazing. I believe in you. Um, there, oh, next one. There we go. You're awesome. He says, surely I will bless you, God said to Abraham, and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. So that's the end goal. The end goal is not that you be blessed. Anybody here would be happy just you being blessed? That's not the point. That's Canaan. That's not the promise. But now back to 15. You're, 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 there we go. The Lord said to him, know for certain that the, the land is not ready for you now, but certain for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Now, here's the thing I want you to notice. From here to here, they're in, they're in Egypt for 340 years, and it is good. Only in 1532 does it start to get bad, right? Anybody here, God led you into something and it was good for a time and then it ain't good no more? What was a blessing is now a place of slavery. Let me make it a little real. Masha and I were talking about this morning. We used to go clubbing. When we were dating, we were out there clubbing, working. Anyway, you don't want to see what I brought. Anyway, skills right here. All right, some people are like, my eyes, my eyes. Okay. And we were out there, and we were like, yeah, it was like, you know, when you are 22, 25, you're out there hitting the clubs, you're feeling it. That's awesome. And there would be that person who was of a more senior age out there doing the groove, and you're like, okay, that's creepy. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Why? Because they overstayed their season. What is good in one season is rotten in another. Selah. So the enemy will say, well, either A, it was never God's will, or B, it's always God's will. But a good parent knows that your children live through seasons. And what's good in one season is bad in another. And it's important to know when it's time to leave Egypt. Now, a genius, when the Pharaoh says things like that about you, would have gone, the writing's on the wall. We are out of here, right? They become wealthy. They, they had the means to leave. But why do you think they didn't want to leave? Yep, everything was good so far. Can we throw up that first map? Sorry, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm horrible there. Anybody, they're in the green part, that tr green triangle at the top. Any reason why they wouldn't want to leave? 
<laughs> Anybody, things start to get uncomfortable and you feel like God may be calling you out, but you cannot discern anything worth leaving for? Anybody here? Well, this get awkward. Um, anybody here been in a relationship and it doesn't, it's not going well? But better a bird in the hand than none out there in the bush. <laughs> Somebody just heard the voice of the Lord. All right, moving right along. I'm going to make no eye contact. Okay. Um, so anyway, so here's 1532. Things are not good. The writing is on the wall. But do they stay? Yeah. Because better comfort, better than some, than risking for the promise. I would submit to you that way more of our body is called to business and entrepreneurship than is walking in it. We have a lot of people walking in business, as you saw a couple weeks ago. But you know the number one reason why people don't go into business? Huh? <laughs> Risk, fear, lack of change. I'm good. Let's just not bother. And God is luring them. But there they got a steady gig. They got a steady job. They got stuff. They got good stuff. But wait, they don't want to leave. So what happens to them? Let's keep reading. Man, Maggie, you're amazing. All right. Verse 11. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. Now stay with me for a minute. This is what it looked like. It didn't look like what's called chattel slavery at this point. What it was was, listen, you want to stay here, you need to pay your way. You need a, we just need you to show up and you know, maybe one day a month you'll do a little work for us. Make it two. Okay, three. Okay, four. But that's it. Five. Okay. Anybody here boiled like a frog? Oh, man, it's bad, but I think we can put up with it. Yeah. Huh? Organize a union. We'll, we'll, we'll organize coffee breaks. We'll bring our lunches. It will be okay. I mean, yeah, he's a jerk, but you know, he's my jerk. Anybody here been in a place where you're putting up with stuff that you five years ago told yourself you'd never put up with? Just have a thought for a moment. And they built Pithom and Ramses, Rameses as store cities um, for Pharaoh. Do you guys remember what was the calling of Joseph? Whose idea was it to build storehouses in Egypt? They went from the guy with the idea to the slave making them. When you overstay your season, you end up being in a place... is enslaved to the very thing that brought you there in the first place. But the more they were oppressed and the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. The more they were blessed, the more they got oppressed. Does that sound like a blessing to you? When you have your blessing out of the context that God has for you, which is your promise, your blessing will cause you to be oppressed. I'll give you an example. Okay. 
many, many years ago, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I was in a relationship I had no business being in. Can I get an amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't nudge the person you're sitting next to. <laughs> Some people are like, scooch. Anyway, um, and what happened is every time, but I still longed for God. But you know when you're not obedient to God, what happens to you? You hear him less and less, true? And so, but I still longed for God and I missed him. So I would go places to have encounters with God or experience him and every time I did, do you know what happened? I became incredibly uncomfortable with the relationship I was in. I was blessed, which increased my oppression. But they were more oppressed. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites worse than ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor, bricks, and mortar. You know what harsh labor is? It's where you're working, but somebody else gets the benefit. You work, but there's no benefit for you. Anybody here just working so hard? I just want to keep the peace. I just want to keep the peace. And no matter how hard you work, you still don't keep the peace. I'm just like rolling over people here. All right. Uh, in bricks and mortar with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So here you're in this situation. Now, so this is 1532. It gets worse and worse and worse till in 1486, the, the Pharaoh has had enough. He's tells, he can tell that all of this is not working. And so what do they do? They tell the midwives, you have to start killing babies. Anybody here been in a situation where you compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised until you suddenly found yourself on the edge of an abyss? And these midwives, they had said yes to everything, but this is the line they would not cross. Why? Because what is the calling of a midwife? To deliver children to life. And you will know, the, you will, if, if we do not respond to the changing seasons, we don't respond to, the, to this, what happens is over time, the intensity of the discomfort increases to the point we will find ourselves at a point where the enemy is demanding that we sacrifice our very identity and calling for the sake of staying alive. But do, what do the ladies do? They get all sneaky. I've got to say, being sneaky is better than not being sneaky. But please preserve us from having to be sneaky in the first place. They're sneaky. And as a result, they're like, hey, you know, we would love, we try. But those, you know, those Hebrew women, whoo, they deliver like lickety split. We don't even get there in time. I was like, women are like, I want that anointing. Jesus. It's like three minutes. We don't even know. Anyway, and as, and, and so, as a result, they're trying to kill them. And in the middle of this, it says that they cried out. The people groaned and they cried out to God for deliverance. I have a question. What were they doing for the 48, 46 years in between? Anybody here? 
you've been in a bad situation and you finally realize, I don't like this. I should call out to God for this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get so used to your condition that you just live with it. So we were sick the last few weeks or so, and I was super proud of myself. I got to tell you, I, 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 I was, I did sick like a boss. I was amazing. You would have been a proud. The reason I say that is in the past, I really had an issue with self-pity. Uh, I'm so sick. I think I should. Uh, anybody here like a real professional at self-care? <laughs> I should take care of myself. Yes, I should. It's so bad. Oh, in Russia. When I was in Russia, oh gosh, yeah. I got all, the first year I was in Russia, I got every disease that all the Russians get in childhood. I got them all. And, uh, <laughs> but do you know what I did? I also was kind of depressed. So when I got sick, I'm like, oh no, I better crawl in bed and check out of life. Oh well. Anyway, yeah, for years, yeah. So anyway, so I was really proud. This last bit, I was sick and I was proud of myself. I didn't go to self-pity. But I just trooped right through. And I was really proud. And that's good. That's good. Except at one point, God goes, Peter, you are doing amazing. In fact, I would say the way you're walking through this is like super natural. Not supernatural. Supernatural. You tracking with me? Like you're like, you're like doing all the things you should do, but you're not doing it supernaturally. You're doing it supernaturally. And Masha had a whole bunch of stuff in her chest, you know, respiratory. And he, and God just like, why are you okay with her being sick? Well, cause you know, you get it here and it spreads to here and then you have a fever and then you do this and then people send you to outer, no, no. And God, yeah, outer darkness, come on. And what did the Lord say? The Lord said, why are you okay? You were okay with it with her. Why, with yourself. Why are you okay with it with her? And I was like, oh, oh. And he reminded me of a testimony where uh, Justin called me up and he was struggling with some stuff and I prayed for him over the phone or by text, I forget. And he got his respiratory condition completely cleared up just like that. And God goes, why for him, but not for her? Because um, I build a practical theology. I gotten used to my level of oppression. Because I prayed a couple times and nothing happened, so it must not be God's will to heal. Wait, so I, I'm pray so I prayed two nights ago for Masha, and literally there was a dramatic increase of breakthrough for her. Not all the way, but a breakthrough. So one of the things what I want to say with this is there's this thing when you overstay the season, when you're in this place, because there was grace for them to be in Egypt at first, right? But when they overstayed it, what happened? What had been a blessing became a curse. So in this place, we have Moses born. You guys remember Moses in, Mo, down in the water? Anyway, they laid him there in the basket. And uh, anyway, he gets raised in Pharaoh's household, if you've watched the, the cartoon. And uh, then he, you know, he has this moment. He realized the calling of God that's on his life, right, is to deliver the people of, of, of Israel. And, and so he decides to do it one fair uh, Egyptian at a time. So it may take a while. Right? How does that go for him? He tries to kill an Egyptian and it doesn't go well, right? The Pharaoh sets out, sends out people to kill him. Does not go well. But, um, it says this interesting thing. I never realized this. So he then, so this is, he's out in, um, see this. So he's about 40 at that point. So that's 40. 
Oh, see, I did those da- dates wrong. My bad. Da, da, da. Oh, okay. I, I'm totally wrong on this. Sorry. My bad. I can't, I, I skipped one of the dates. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to the dates in a minute. Um, but what I want to say is, I, um, is he's out there in the wilderness. He has an encounter with God and it says God heard their cries. They're, they wanted it. And we talked about this last week when, and he go, and so he finally says, yes, you can read it all. It's very interesting. And he goes back at the end of chapter five. End of four, sorry. Verse 29. Moses and Aaron brought together the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So they're ready to get out of Egypt, aren't they? No, they're ready for the pain to stop. We talked about this last week. Wanting the pain to stop doesn't mean you're ready to leave Egypt. Because they've got a good gig here. Remember, that's the green area. How do I know? Because they go, they go before Pharaoh and, and they tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh goes, sure thing. No, he says, dude, why are they thinking about going to worship God? They obviously don't have enough to do. We need to keep them busy. They need to make bricks, but now they need to make it without straw. And the Israelites said, no, we are called of God to go to Canaan. What did they do? No. It said they scurried all over Egypt trying to find some straw. Anybody been in that place? I call it the searching for coins in the, in the couch level. I had a roommate bailed on a, on a, uh, on a, uh, a lease and my life got very, very difficult at that point. And I began to look for coins everywhere. It's, it's the, oh, oh, we just gotta make pie. We just gotta survive. We gotta just make pie. Do they, do they say, no, we heard the voice of God. He called us to go. It's time to go. No. And in fact, they went to Moses and they said, why did you do this to us? I thought when you say yes to Jesus, everything just works out well. No. In fact, it was about to become much more uncomfortable because their yes simply entered them into the process of God separating Egypt from them. And what happens is, it starts out, is this whole thing we talked about is, uh, we'll go through this, but he, these plagues that happened were a cascading ecological disaster. Let's just run through them real quick. Because he says, he says, Moses, he tells Moses, he said, God says, they will not, Moses, Pharaoh won't let you go until he sees the might of my hand. But I would submit to you, the Israelites won't leave till they see the might of God's hand. So what happens? What's the first, the first plague? You guys remember? The river Nile turns to, I, I did some research on that. I really believe that was a, what's called a red algae bloom. It's happened in recent memory in Egypt, in the Nile. And when it does, it kills everything in the Nile. What was life-giving becomes death-giving. Overnight, which Lee, and so the interesting thing is though, that each of these plagues was targeting one of the gods of the pantheon of Egypt. Can we throw up that, that pantheon? Oh, look, there you go. You didn't know. These are not the gods we worship, just for clarification. So here's their gods. They're gods that they had given. And see, if you live long enough in Egypt, do you know what you start doing? Worshiping their gods. Worshiping their gods. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe money will, will protect me. 
Maybe if I, if I, if I, if I read enough of a WebMD, it will protect me. Maybe if I, whatever it is, we look for the things that will protect us and get our needs and desires met. And these are their gods. So the first thing, the first thing is the Nile turns to blood and it shoots down Osiris, who's the god. You, you like how green he is and Mott and it shoots down Sobek. Sobek is the god of the crocodile god. Do you know why they worship a crocodile god? So he'll protect them from crocodiles. That's like paying the mob protection money. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a strange thing is we begin to worship the very things we fear. And we begin to make, we begin to create room for them. And we begin, oh, oh, oh. And the thing, and so then, and then the next one is what? Remember, what's the next one? Because the water turns red, all the oxygen is killed. Guess what crawls out of the water? Frogs everywhere. They have no oxygen, so they need to crawl. But this is a really strange one. This is the only one that's not a main god of the pantheon because it's the god S of childbirth. Do you remember the line that caused them to crawl out to God? Was the line of childbirth. The point where I'm willing to sacrifice anything. This is my destiny. This is my future. This is the promise. And it comes down to, will you sacrifice this? And God says, and so they'd begun to worship gods to protect them in childbirth. And God goes, no frog is going to protect you. Only I can protect you. He's trying to show that their gods are powerless. Anybody here worship money? And then it ran out. Anybody? How about this? Anybody here worshiped credit and loans as a way to get by? And then it got, then it began to crush you. Anyway, moving on. That's not about anybody here. Moving on. The next one is the gnats, right? Again, it's just part of this thing. And that's the god Geb of, of the land. And then the next one's flies. And that's, uh, that's Kipper, the, and the, and the beetles. You know, I mean, who, I mean, anybody think other people's belief systems are whack? But yours makes sense. <laughs> Moving on. Keep going. Let's just keep going. He just starts knocking out one after the other. Keeps going. That's Hathor, man. It's just the whole thing. Boom, boom, boom. By the end, let's just keep going all the way to the end. He knocks out every single god in the pantheon with these plagues. He's demonstrating the might of his hand. And only then will Pharaoh let them go. But I submit to you, only then are the Israelites ready to leave. Because they were still hoping that maybe Hathor will come through for us. Maybe Amun. I don't know. How about Geb? Somebody. (laughs) And so what I would submit to you is their gods are not so weird. Their gods are the god of comfort, the god of provision, the god of power, the god of sickness and or health, the god of worst case scenarios. Where's my people's? If I just can figure out how we're going to die, we'll be able to stop it. <laughs> People are like, yes, I worship that one. No, the, this is the out of nowhere, like protect yourself from acts of God. Uh, the end of everything, your last name, whatever it is, it's whatever, whatever your God is other than God. Whatever your God is other than God, God will reveal as powerless. Why? Because then you're ready to trust God as your source for everything. And only then are you willing to leave Egypt. 
fascinating thing is they leave Egypt, and here's where we end. They leave Egypt, and they come down, and they and, and, and uh, they go down to Sukkoth. They pick up the they pick up the the slaves who didn't even know that there was a revolt. They were down in the mines. See, God is not willing for anybody to be left behind. This was the copper mines in Sukkoth. They, they who's not willing. God doesn't want you to leave any of you behind. We're willing sometimes just to get out with the shirt on our back. But what do they do? They take all the wealth of Egypt. They take, and they take, we're taking everybody. We're leaving nobody behind. And they come down and God leads them right up to this wonderful place where they're going to get free. They go all the way down past Migdal and Fi, and Edom, and they wrote, go straight into a trap. Anybody here follow God straight into a trap? Like, he was like, we're ready, we're ready. What I mean is, you've said yes to God, and, it, and, and, and you run out of road. You're like, yes, Lord! Uh, God, there's no gas in the car. Just saying, right? They're in this place. They literally are at a point where the mountains are on two sides, and the Pharaoh's army's on the third, and the ocean's on the fourth. Anybody been there? And in that moment... They cry out to God. No, they don't. Anybody get a witness? Listen, this should encourage you. After all this, they still don't trust God. It's okay. Because his goodness is even better than our lack of trust. And he lures them. And in this point, he, uh, Moses begins to complain to God. And God goes, shut your mouth. He said, why are you complaining? Start walking. I would submit to you, there comes a point when you have to decide, is God God? Is God going to be your God? Is he going to be worthy of our trust? Is he going to be worthy of, or are, are we going to return to Egypt? Anybody going back? And in that moment, what happens? This amazing thing is this place that he had brought them to, they didn't realize this, there was a land bridge underneath the water. And as the wind blew, it blew and revealed the land bridge, which the remains of are still there. They're in the call, the place called the Straits of Tehran. And uh, if we can pull up that one, next one. There it is. You see it? You see that? And the next one, he leads them oops, straight across that land bridge. And what happens is, guess what? The enemies, their enemies are chasing them. It's over. We're all going to die. The, the Pharaoh's armies. And what happens is the water comes back in. And they're washed into off the land bridge into the deep of the ocean. And on the other side, they begin to sing that song. They're celebrating God's goodness. And he says this, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Do you understand? God is not interested in getting you out of trouble. He's not interested in getting us out of discomfort. He's interested in destroying every area where we have been enslaved destroying every area so that we can be utterly set free because only when we're utterly set free can we enter into the land of promise. So if we have the worship team come up. I don't know which of your gods we talked about today. I could, I've talked to you a little bit about mine. I don't know if you're at the point where you're like, you know what? I hurt, but I just want the hurting to stop. I don't actually want to leave Egypt. I don't know if you're at the point where you've said yes to God and it's gotten worse, not better. What I would submit to you is 
wherever we're at in the journey, let's press in. Let's press in. Let's find him better than we could ask, think, or imagine. Whatever our history is, whatever our past is, wherever the line is, we said, I can't go any further. Let's lay it down before him today and step in and find him to be a God worthy of our trust. We can stand. Father, I just ask right now that as we worship, you would take our yes and lead us in victory. Lead us in deliverance today.